Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. So excited to have this discussion today with Art Rayner. And Art gives us a really good perspective on how to find more money in your life when it otherwise may not be there. He talks about the side hustle economy, the gig economy, and what all of that means. Now, Art and I had this conversation prior to the COVID-19 coronavirus world that we currently live in, but I will tell you that it feels incredibly important as so many people right now are without work and are struggling to figure out what's the next step. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Art, and if you do, the best compliment that you can give us Leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, subscribe so that way you're not going to miss any episodes. We've got some bonus episodes, some amazing episodes coming up. The best way to make sure you don't miss it, subscribe. Now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Art. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have on the podcast today Art Rainier, and he has written a new book called Find More Money. Art, how the heck are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Tony? Really good. Really good. Uh, so interesting. You're the first guest that we've had on. I've been doing this for just over a year. You're the first guest that we've had on to talk about money. And I wonder, does that happen to you a lot? It, it does. And I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> well, I, I mean, dive into that a little bit, right? Because, you know, as people who are following Christ as Christians, you know, Jesus talked about money a lot, but sometimes it feels like the church doesn't. Do you, what is that? How do you see that play out in the people that you're talking to? Well, let me hit on that first point where you said that Jesus talks about money a lot. Um, you, you are absolutely right. Jesus spoke about money more than any other topic while he was here on, on earth. Hmm. In, in scripture, you find over 2,000 verses relating to money, possessions, stewardship. And so the topic of money and, and how we're to manage what God has given us is woven all throughout scripture, but for some reason, we're hesitant to, to talk about it. And I think it actually is, we've been, we've been duped. We've bought, into, we've, been, we've bought into a lie that Satan has put out there, that this is something that we shouldn't talk about, that it's, that it's taboo, that we can talk about any other area of a person's life, even in the, in the church. Um, we can we can talk about their relationships, uh, their their marriages. Um, we can talk about any other area, but this idea of money—that's where we have to where we have to back off a little bit. And in doing so, we miss out on discussing one of the would potentially be one of the most significant idols in our in in, in our hearts, and one of the most um, revealing um, things for our, our hearts. What we do with our money, the way we manage our money, reveals how we're managing our our heart, and so it's unfortunate that we don't talk about it enough. And also, it's unfortunate that we're missing out on a massive, massive opportunity that God has has given us. Check this out. So there was a book called Inheritology, written by a guy named James Wise. Okay. And in that book, he lays out this great commission opportunity that we have right now as evangelicals in America. Uh So he said that over the next 20, 30 years, now I'm adapting these numbers a little bit, that we're going to have approximately $30 trillion. That's with a T. Wow. Transfer from one generation to the next in what we call the great wealth transfer. 
Now, if you assume that 25% of Americans are, are, are believers, now you can debate that number. Um, ultimately, you're going to see it doesn't matter. Then that means that about $4.8 trillion Woo. will be in the hands of, of evangelicals. And I hope that I'm getting my math right off the, <laughs> the top of my head. <laughs> uh, here's, I, I don't know enough the, to check it. If somebody pulls out the calculator <laughs> and tries to... Um, According to current statistics, um, current numbers that, that we have, there's about 3,200 unreached people groups in the world. Those mm-hmm. that have yet to hear the name of Jesus, not even been given the opportunity because nobody has, has told him or her. So if we assume that it takes $75,000 per year to reach one of those unreached people groups for a year, and then if we also assume that it takes about 20 years to really reach that, that group, then what you're looking at is a number in the low billions with the, with the B. Wow. Now, once again, we have trillions with a T. There's a thousand billions in a trillion. So what we're really talking about is just a, just a drop in the, in, in the bucket. God has given us the resources right now to reach every tongue, tribe, and nation if we figure out how to, how to do so, how to leverage those resources well to do just, just that. Unfortunately, Americans um, don't feel as wealthy as it, as, it, as it may seem. And that's because we just have a limited margin in our budget. 78% of Americans right now are living paycheck to paycheck. And, and so the idea of being generous, the idea of, of paying down debt, the idea of saving for, for retirement, the idea of using your resources to advance God's kingdom uh, just seems far off uh, because it seems like every month is a, is a grind. Um, every month there's financial stress, financial struggles. And, and so that's really what, um, what, this, what this new resource is all about, is helping individuals increase their margin so that then they can you know, pay off debt, put money toward retirement, and, and give generously to advance God's kingdom around, around the world. You know, what's interesting is uh, I grew up and I can remember one day driving in the car and I asked my dad how much money he made. And I was uh, quickly instructed. I, I was going to use the word scolded, but that's probably just my own trauma coming back, right? Like I was quickly instructed. I'm probably in probably a very nice way. My dad's a great guy uh, that we don't talk about money. Um, mm-hmm. You have obviously gone the other direction than that. And I'm curious in your life, what prompted you to get to a place where you're like, I'm going to devote my entire life to helping people understand money as a kingdom asset? Yeah. So I guess it started early on. Uh, I mean, I opened up, I'm one of those really weird ones that had a retirement account in high school. Um, so now, when now I got- Just pump them. Did you do that on purpose? Oh, absolutely. Or did your parents didn't make you do that? No, they didn't make me do that, but they introduced me to the concept okay. and, and helped me understand what impact um, even my teenage years could have on, on retirement. They introduced me to this amazing thing called compounding, where you're essentially making money on top of your money. Mm. And um, if you start setting aside, let's say $2,000 a year um, in your high school year, so maybe when you're 16, 17, and 18, and if you invest it in the S&P 500 using real numbers, historical numbers, when you turn 65, that $6,000, assuming once again, you're not putting anything else uh, into, into that retirement account, 
that $6,000 turns into almost $700,000 using, using real numbers. And so they helped me understand that. They helped me understand that if you get a, a job, which I did in, in high school. Um, uh, what was it? You got to tell us what it is. <laughs> I had, had a few of them. So my first job was with a, um, it was at a, a putt-putt course and go-kart track. And, um, <laughs> okay, wait, just because I always wondered about working at those places. Uh-huh. Please tell me that after hours, the employees race. What do you mean after hours? <laughs> I did it during hours. <laughs> I don't know. What to... uh, we, man, we, we did some, we did some stupid things, I love um, it. especially on the golf cart or the golf, uh, the, uh, the go-kart track. We would, um, get onto the, the carts and essentially we would do what's called go-kart surfing, or at least that's what we called it. Oh. And instead of, so instead of sitting down in the go-kart, you would stand up and with one hand, you're steering it. The other, uh, your one foot's on the, on the, on the gas and you're going around the track like that, standing up in the, in the seat. Hey, don't do it. And don't tell my kids I did that. I hope, hope my kids don't, <laughs> don't listen to this because I have yet to tell them that that's what Wait, I did. How old are your kids now? uh nine six and three. Oh, they're and, right there oh, oh yeah that they would, they would right do it the... in a heartbeat i can tell you that <laughs> and they oh, would say it... well daddy did it so i can do it right i i know them way obviously way way too well so I that was that. but you know i appreciate i appreciate the fact that in one sense you're still living a very normal teenage life in the other sense you're also taking your income from that um i'm sure wildly high paying job Right, the sarcasm, and uh, and you're putting it towards retirement. Is that what you did all throughout high school? Well, I didn't put everything toward toward retirement. Sure, sure. Uh, I spent it on um, spent money on on a car. Um, I, I did other things with it, uh, but that was certainly part of it. Is that I would take a portion of it and put it into my. I had a Roth IRA, so I'd put it into a, a Roth IRA. And the other jobs that I had, I worked at. I don't know if you're familiar with the restaurant O'Charlie's. Oh yeah. So I worked there. They had some amazing mo- bread rolls, if I recall. Absolutely, that was buttered I, I, and buttered. That's oh, what I man. remember about those bread rolls. They were incredible. And I actually worked there uh, my, I guess it'd be my junior senior year of high school. Um, even during the the school year, so I would I'd do um, some okay. some nights and, and weekends um, at 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 O'Charlie's, and just set money aside uh, for for retirement. And then also use, I use money for other, you know, typical teenage purposes going out and then putting money toward a, toward a car. Now, did you always, uh, does the world naturally come to you in numbers? I guess this is kind of the question. Are you a numbers guy? Like, uh, do you prefer to type in Excel spreadsheets or Word documents? That's really what I need to know. (laughs) Well, I guess I I would have to say both, right? I mean, that's, so I've, Written a few books, so sure, I, I like sure. the like Word documents. Um, but I'm also a fan of of Excel sheets and appreciate those that love um, putting uh, different formulas in those in those cells. Uh, so yeah, and I guess I'm one of those weird ones that actually enjoys both. That's I think that's good, and and it obviously has served you well. Did you uh, was this a path that just continued on in your life, or did it kind of amplify as you? Uh, started to see the, I guess, the compounding effect, pun intended. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so out, right out of college, um, I dove into the banking world. Okay. Um, so my goal out of college was to be a certified financial planner, also known as a CFP. Mm-hmm. 
And I dove into the banking industry, just simply wanting to learn the, the industry, not necessarily pursuing the CFP yet, because I figured, you know, I'm really young. Uh, and um, it's unlikely that somebody's going to trust their millions of dollars um, to somebody who's fresh out of, out of college. And, and so I started out um, in, the, in the banking world. I worked for Wells Fargo, Chase, and then Wachovia. Um, when I was working with Wachovia, I was actually down in the South Florida area, so Fort Lauderdale. And admittedly, I just started growing really unsettled in the career path uh, that, mm. uh, that I was on. God started working in my, in my heart. And uh, part of it had to do with the, the industry in general. I mean, it, it just really wasn't what I thought it was going to, going to be. It was a lot more sales driven than, than what I had anticipated. And so um, I got started using a lot of things just to make me grow unsettled. Um, and I'd go back home, talk to my wife, my wife, Sarah, and say, hey, I don't know what God's doing, but this is just, this isn't it for, mm. for me. I don't know what is, but this is not it. And, and so um, one early morning, I'd been down in Fort Lauderdale for about a year, a guy named Jimmy Scroggins, who's now the pastor at a church called Family Church in West Palm Beach, gave me a call. And he had just uh, arrived down in South Florida. And he said, hey, Art, here's, here's the deal. I knew him from um, where we lived before, and that was in, in Kentucky. And so he said, hey, Art, here's the deal. Now you're down here. Um, the church is in more of a uh, mess than I had anticipated financially. And so here's the best sales pitch that I can, that I can give you. Um, I can't always guarantee you that you're going to get paid, but we're going to have a lot of fun trying to turn this thing around. <laughs> and, and it was not an exaggeration. Uh, they had already missed two payrolls. Oh, wow. Uh, so it, it was not a stretch to say, I can't always guarantee you that you're going to get paid because that had been the reality for, mm -hmm. the, for the church that prior summer. So this was uh, fall of 2008 which, 2008, which by the way, if you know anything about 2008, that's not the time when you want to jump into a job at a, at a church. Well, okay. Um, so financially question, right? How, how do you go home and convince your wife? How do you say, Sarah, I think we should leave this, uh, you know, fairly lucrative banking career to go take a job where I may not get paid. Yeah, that's, I tell you, that was the, that conversation was the confirmation for me. It, as soon as I received that phone call, um, if you want to use the term calling, a light bulb moment, whatever you want to say, I, I just knew that that's what I was supposed to do mm. without a question. I knew that that's what I was supposed to do. And so that when I went home and talked to Sarah about it, um, she agreed. And she was not working at the time. She was actually a doctoral student at a, at a school in Fort Lauderdale. And so she was not earning any income. So it was a really big jump of faith for, for our family. And so I took, took the job and um, needless to say, it was um, everything and more um, as far as for, for challenge that, uh, that he, had, he had let on. And um, it, God was very gracious. We made a lot of difficult decisions. Um, and fortunately, the, the church is, I mean, is flourishing in an amazing, oh, amazing awesome. way now. Um, but that desire to help people out with their finances uh, never went away. So I was actually able to start doing that in a local church context. Uh, mm -hmm. And and so that helped me understand the importance of reaching the, the people in the pew that are struggling with the exact same issues that everybody else is struggling with. Uh, the people in the church are not immune to these statistics. When you say 78% of Americans live in paycheck, paycheck to paycheck, 
it's everybody in the church. I mean, that's those in the church are also struggling with that. When you say that uh, consumer credit card debt, which is hitting a record high, we're approaching $1 trillion in student in, in, in consumer credit card debt. That's the people in the, in the pew. They're facing it. Student loan debt, $1.5 trillion. It's the people in the pew. Everybody's, they're, right. everybody's in the same boat right now. Um, people that go to church are not immune to these financial financial difficulties. And I really began to realize that. And God uh, just placed it in my heart that, hey, I, I have some some knowledge in this area. Not that I'm uh, a genius or anything like that, but I can actually, I felt like God had put me in there to, to really help people. And I was able to to do that. And well, let's now, talk about that for just a second, because yeah. I am curious. Um, you're in a church and somebody walks into your office and they kind of know that you're, you're pretty well versed in this area. If they're part of that 78% living paycheck to paycheck and, and just scraping by, there's no margin. They're probably, if they're giving, they're giving, you know, five, $10. They're certainly not a percentage giver or tither, you know, um, what's the, what's the first thing that you say when you have got that young family or young couple sitting across from you? Well, so the, I guess you say the first thing I ask them about is is their budget and are they are they giving? I know that's that sounds weird, um, but generosity giving is what the Bible says is is our priority. Mm. And so when we start talking about personal finances, that's where I start. Um, I have uh, the eight money milestones. Uh, some of the listeners might not be familiar with that. Um, but they're basically, it's a guide on what step you need to take next. And the very first step is to start giving. And the reason why I start there is because that's where the Bible starts. And I just can't get, get away from that. And the Bible tells us that giving is to be a priority, that we're to give proportionately, meaning that um, you give according to what God has, has given you. Uh, giving is to be done sacrificially. And then also giving is to be done cheerfully. And so um, we start we start there and making sure that they're aligning themselves with God's design for their for for their financial resources that He's given them, and then we start looking at every everything else. Uh, we start talking talking budget. Uh, we start talking emergency funds. We start talking all of those um, all those next steps that they that they that they need to take. Now here's the thing though. I've had a number of conversations recently mm. where I. Uh, they, they either read the book or maybe they heard me speak somewhere and they come up to me or they send me an email and they'll say, Hey Art, I love this stuff. I agree with it. I love the, the lens through which you, through which you write, but here's my problem. I don't have a, a ton of debt. I don't have all of these expenses that, um, that I can, that I can cut. I, can, I don't have Netflix. I can't cut that. I don't have Disney plus. I can't, I can't cut that. Um, but I'm still struggling. I'm still struggling. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. What do you have for me? And, and it was a conversation that happens so frequently that I just thought, you know what? I need, to, I need to address this. I've spent a lot of time focusing on the expense side of the financial equation, which for many people, that's, that's needed. That's what they need to focus oh, certainly on. Certainly for a lot, it's the, it's the basis. Absolutely. But there are people out there where cutting your budget just no, no longer cuts it. And so I shifted to an area that, that also know well and have um, a lot of experience with, and that's the income side of the equation. Now, when I say I have a lot of experience with it, what I mean is that over time, 
I've been able to develop side gigs. I know how to, how to do, do side gigs, how to make income outside of your day-to-day job. Um, I was doing that before we had something called the gig economy now. So yeah, um, I, was I was doing gonna, that so before. That's, that's one of my questions. Can you, can you describe what the gig economy is for our listeners who may not know and, and kind of when it came in? And because so in, in my world, you know, I've, I've read things like the side hustle pastor, you know, and, and you know, uh, fishes and loaves and a lot of different, a lot of different things. What is right. the gig economy and, and how did, how did we get here? Yeah. So the, let me first start by explaining what a side gig is because mm-hmm. basically uh, the gig economy is accumulation of all these side gigs. So the a side gig is simply work outside of your, outside of your work, right? So you have your, your full-time job. That's your, your basis. Uh, that's where you make your, your, the most of your, 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 your money there. Um, so you have your full-time job. A side gig is a, is, is work that you do outside of that. And it can take a variety of different forms. It doesn't necessarily have to be part-time work. So we're not talking about going in and working at Target or Walmart, though that may be a, a decent option for you. Um, but we're, we're talking about it's more contract-based um, work. Now, there are some existing platforms that you can plug into right away and start uh, making. Yeah, like Uber, right? Um, yeah, Uber, yeah, Lyft. That's, that's the, those are the go-to. When people right. think of, of side gigs or side hustles, they, their mind immediately goes to Uber or, or Lyft because they've either um, experienced it or they have read about it. And so they're familiar with that. I just want people to know that that's not the only side gig that's <laughs> right. out there. You there's do many not people have to drive that, a car. That's right. There's many people that, that when you start talking about side gigs, you're like, oh, that's not for me because one, I don't like to drive very much and I don't like people. And so <laughs> I'm out. I'm out of the gig economy. If you don't like people and if you don't like to drive, there's still no, a number of side gigs that are, that are out there. Uh, there's actually around 57 million Americans right now that are participating in what we call the side or the, the gig economy, meaning that they have a, that they have a side gig. Um, now, let me, let me be clear. What we're not talking about is a way to become a gazillionaire. Um, this is not a get rich quick thing. Uh, there's there's not a money tree that suddenly pops up in your in your backyard that you get to that you get to pull from. When we talk about generating income through a side gig, the average person uh, makes uh, about eight thousand dollars per year with uh, with side gig or side gigs. Hmm. So we're not talking about becoming a, a gazillionaire, but for many people, eight thousand dollars can go a significant way to help them take that next step on their on their financial journey so that that allows you to max out your your Roth IRA uh, eight thousand dollars per year toward debt can be a massive massive help if you're struggling to put food on the table eight thousand dollars can obviously go a long way to helping you meet that goal to accomplishing that so it, it can be a significant help for uh, for individuals that find themselves just living paycheck to paycheck without any margin. It creates a little bit of cushion uh, in, your, in, in your budget, which by the way, margin, we really haven't defined that. Yeah. Um, margin is the space between your income and your expenses, right? So you're, what you're trying to do is you're trying to have more income than expenses and that, that, uh, that ex- excess is your, is your margin there. Yeah, so one, one of the things that's interesting and I... Um, I participate in the side gig, you know, I do speaking engagements and things like that as, as uh, somebody who, who does some of that kind of jazz. 
he, one of the questions I have is how, how do you know that you're in the right side gig for you? And, you know, you kind of dive into this topic a little bit in terms of your, your workflow and how, you know, how, how do you find the right fit? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I was on a, um, I was at our gym and I was, um, I want to say running next to a guy on a treadmill because, um, I'm, I'm just not that fast, uh, but <laughs> I was I on a treadmill. It, I call it rogging. It's a run I was, jog. I was on a treadmill in a gym feeling good about myself because I was doing just that. Come on, get um, it. And so, but the, I was talking to a guy and letting him know, um, this is a, this is a book that I'm, that I'm working on uh, to try to help people out, uh, with, with their, with their margin. And he said, Oh, I have a side gig. And he went into, to talk, went on to talk about it. And he said, you know what I love about, about the, the side gig is that it doesn't feel like work. It's like, I actually enjoy doing it. And it reminded me of a friend, a friend of mine. And I, I put her story in the book, which by the way, there's a lot of uh, real life stories in that, in that book. Um, I, my friend, Kristen. And, and so Kristen grew up in Florida. She was a Disney fanatic, absolutely loved Disney, became a, a Disney aficionado, you know, and um, just passionate uh, about, about it. Um, she found herself in a place where she was needing to help her family out to increase their, their income. And so she found a way to use her uh, passion for, for Disney and also use her skills. And I'm going to talk about that in a, in a second. And then the opportunity to actually help plan vacations for, uh, for families going to, going to Disney. So she partnered up with an organization called Travelmation. And now she helps people. She guides people on their, on their journey to, to Disney. And, and she loves doing it. It's a lot of fun. Wow. So she found what, what I call the, the trifecta. And this is where your passion, your skill set, and the opportunity to actually make money meet. So let's talk about the passion there for, for a second. If you can go back to when you were a child, what did you do? What did, were, you, were, were you excited about? Um, what, was that, what was that one thing? Well, maybe what was that thing now that you still like talking about when you don't even have to, have to talk about? Which, by the way, Mine's, mine's actually finances, which is, which is weird. I always <laughs> warn people, if you're going to talk mine's to marriages. about finances, <laughs> you're gonna, you're, you need to sit down because it's going to be a long conversation or maybe a long <laughs> monologue that you're going to have to listen to. It's going to be less of a conversation, more of a monologue. Oh, I love it. But what, what do you like to talk about when people aren't even paying you to, to, to do it? Um, and so what, what excites you? What gets you up in the, in the morning? What, what is that passion? And then in, in the book, I, I walk individuals through how to identify that, that passion. Now, the second part is what is your skill set? What are you actually good at? Now, it's not what do you think you are good at. Oh, come what on. That'll preach. There's a difference. There's a huge difference. I've watched I American think, Idol. <laughs> that's right. I may think that there's occasions where I'm actually decent at rapping. My kids will tell you otherwise. I'm not actually good at at rapping. I'm resisting um, so, the temptation to ask you to preach. <laughs> please don't. Please don't. Um, so, but what are you actually good at? And one of the ways to identify that is, okay, well, what is somebody already paying you to do? What are you doing in your job? What skill is somebody actually already paying you to, to do? Also, what do, when somebody calls you for help, what are they asking you to, to help with? Um, nobody is calling me to help them rap. Or, or right. even do home, home repairs, right? Nobody's calling me to, to do that. Nobody's texting me saying, hey, Art, 
um, I have some electrical issues. Would you mind, would you mind coming over and taking a look at it? Nobody's, nobody's asking me to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I am receiving texts and, and calls about, about finances. Um, but what, for, for you, what are people actually reaching out to you to do for, where, where do they need your help? That's, that's how you identify your, your skill. And then the opportunity is, okay, given that the passion and the, the skill set, where's a place where you can actually make money doing that? And if you find that combination there, then you've hit the trifecta and you're going to be like that guy um, who is you know, kind of running slash jogging next to me, more than likely going a lot faster than I was on, on, the, on the treadmill, who's talking <laughs> about his side gig saying, you know what? You know what I love about it is that I just, it's not even, it doesn't even feel like work. It's fun. And I'm making money doing it. And so that's what um, my hope for, for individuals is to walk them through that process identify a side gig, which there's in the, in, in find more money in the book, there's a number of different side gigs that are laid out there just to help you uh, get your, get your mind going about the opportunities that are, that are out there and find that. And then, you know, it's not going to be this great burden. It's not going to feel like another 40 hour job outside of your, your regular 40 hour job. And so well, I feel like, um, as I look at books that are coming out, which I, I consistently do, one of the things that's, um, become really popular now is this idea about putting down your hustle, mm. right? And, and it's about finding Sabbath and there's a suit. It's just, which, you know, I appreciate now I'm a type A personality. So I like to, uh, the, you know, Sabbath for me doesn't mean doing nothing, but um, I respect right. the people that, that kind of land there. Uh, how do you advise people who are living in the tension of uh, connection, Sabbath, side gig? How does that, how does that all fit together in your experience? Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a great question. So in order to be, for a side gig to be successful, you do have to be organized. Um, you are going to have to make sure that you calendar well uh, your, your side gig, that it becomes a part of your, of your, of your calendar. Now, we're, once again, we're not talking about a 40-hour a week uh, oh, side yeah, gig. Boundaries, probably really- we're, we're talking about may, maybe 10 hours a week. Um, and so making sure that you, as you, you use the word perfectly, um, boundaries, make sure that you set the, set the boundaries and the way that you do that is you first have to identify your goal. So how much money do you actually need to make? Um, is it $800 per month? Is it $500 per month? What do you actually need to make? And then you start walking backwards to help you determine, okay, well, how many hours do you actually need to work to hit that goal on a weekly basis. And so you're creating your, your, your boundaries. Um, you're calendaring out to make mm-hmm. sure that it doesn't interfere um, with family, with Sabbath, with all of those very, obviously very important uh, pieces of, of, of life. And so, yeah, you're going to have to, you have to calendar it out. Now, let me be clear. It's once again, it's not a money tree. So there is work involved. Uh, there is time that's, that that's involved. You're not going to all of a sudden just, Say that you're gonna that you want a side gig and money's just gonna fall from the sky. That's that's actually not how it works. So there is work, there is time that's that's involved, um, but also for some, it's not it's not gonna be for the rest of their lives. It yeah. could be for just a a short period of time. Once again, you're chasing a goal. You're going after something. You're trying to maybe pay off debt. You're trying to um, uh, set money aside for for retirement. You have a you have a goal, and so it may not be for five years. It may only be for a year or maybe two years. Um, it really depends on what you're, what, what you're chasing. It's very important to identify that goal um, so, that, um, so that you're able to set those boundaries. Yeah. And, and I think um, it, it sounds like 
that as you mature, that the goal will change too. Because I, I'm guessing, that, you know, if I, if I had to take a guess, your side gig is writer, speaker, right? And obviously you're a, a, a vice president at a, a seminary currently, and you've got a full-time job plus some. And uh, I'm going to guess with a retirement account starting in high school, like you're, you're not doing your side gig because the financial necessity is there as, as it once was. No, no. Actually, mine is more just driven out of passion. Um, I feel like at, at this stage, I'm at a, a pretty fine, healthy financial position. Um, not a gazillionaire by any stretch of the imagination, sure, sure. but content, satisfied with where God, with where God has me. And so um, my side gigs are actually driven more out of, of, that, of that passion piece than, than anything else, that I get to help people in an area that, um, that, 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 I, that I love right. and um, that God seems to, to, be, to be blessing. And so I'm, I guess, say, walking through the, the doors of opportunity that have, have been laid out there uh, by God. And so, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. There's going to be seasons. Um, there's sometimes you're going to have a, a side gig that's there to help pay off debt, but maybe there's times in your, your life where you just do a side gig because you just want uh, the opportunity to do something in your area of, of, of passion. Um, which by the way, if you're working a job and just, you know, this is not the case with me. If you're working a job where you just, you're not very excited about it, but it yeah. helps pay the bills. A side gig can be a great way for you to actually experience greater satisfaction in your work because you're now doing something that fits your, fits your passion. Then you can go to your, um, your day-to-day job and you're doing it. It's like, okay, well, this is okay because then I get to actually do something in my area of passion maybe, maybe later in the day. No, um, and so a side gig I found can actually help you even in your, in your current work, whether it's uh, morale, whether it's learning a, a new skill set, or maybe bettering your current skill set at, at work. Um, maybe we have a, a gentleman, uh, who, who I've been able to, who I've been able to work with and he had a side gig. He had a social media side gig and was actually able to help out other companies around the nation with their social media accounts. And lo and behold, he actually did our social media account here at my, at my full time. And so he was actually using their money to experiment and do, and do, uh, social media, um, uh, campaigns. Sure. And then he gets to take back all those learnings to here. And it was a great win-win uh, for us, even as, a, as an organization here. It's funny. Um, I keep trying to convince my wife that uh, podcasting is my side gig. And uh, she, she keeps reminding me that if you're not actually making money on it, it's just a hobby. So. It, well, and she's absolutely <laughs> right. I'm sorry, but she is. I was like, that's okay. But babe, but babe there's, there's earning potential here. There's <laughs> earning potential. And she was like, well, that's okay. Uh, I, I, love, I love the end game that you have in this book. And, and you write in there, uh, find more money, get financially healthy, advance God's kingdom among the lost. Yeah, um, yeah. Bring that last point home for me. Why, why, is, why is financially healthy and advancing God's kingdom among the lost so important for this season of where we are in the world? Yeah, your, your why matters. Um, what, why you do what you do matters. And in the area of personal finances, many people, their why is to be able to live a life that where they don't have any um, restrictions on what they can purchase, on what they can, what they can do. It's all about, it's all about the, the self. Um, 
the Bible teaches us something completely different, that God gives us resources. Not, uh, it's not that we can't enjoy our, our things. There's some, there's some um, opportunity for that and some um, even instruction to, to, to do that. But that's ultimately not why God gives us resources. He gives us everything to advance his kingdom and to, and to bring, him, bring him glory. And so even getting financially healthy, if I had somebody that, that came up to me and said, hey, Art, I need help getting out of debt so that I can just spend money on whatever I want. I would have no desire to, to do so. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, getting out of debt, that's you know, good for them, but I wouldn't really care. Um, I care about those that want to get out of debt so that then they can use their financial resources to bless their community, um, bless their, um, obviously their, their local church, um, to get to advance God's kingdom in their community and, and, and around the world. Um, that for me is the, is the why. That's what I get pumped up about. I can get excited about, about that. Once again, if you're, if you're looking to get out of debt or if you're looking to get a side gig just so you can do what, whatever you want, that's just not, that's not, that doesn't motivate me. Um, I, I hate to say, it, but I could, I could care less. But if you're wanting, if, if you're concerned about that unreached people group in India, if you're concerned about that unreached people group when whatever a country, the, the group that is yet to hear the name of Jesus, and you want to start using your resources and freeing up your resources to give toward that end, let's talk. Um, I, can, I can get behind that. Yeah, and I, I think that the, when your why is um, as big as that, it'll it, it makes it easier to grind through the, the tough days of the side hustle or the side gig and, you know, and, and doing the extra effort to find more money. So I think that's beautifully stated on your part. Uh, Art, I know that my, my listeners are going to want to find uh, more ways to connect with you. W- where's the best way to do that? You, you've also got a podcast that you're doing. Um, and it's so not as good how, as how your they, podcast. What? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, how, how do they, how do they connect with you? Uh, the, the easiest way, so I, I do have a website that's creatively t- um, titled artrainer.com, and, um, but they can also reach me um, really via any of my social media accounts. I'm, I'm usually pretty good at connecting with, with people yeah. there. So at Art Rainer is my Twitter handle. Um, you can just simply type in my name in the Facebook um, search and you'll, you'll find me. Um, if you want to email me, art at artrainer.com is an easy way to, to do that. Um, pretty much if you, if you put my name in Google and, and reach out to me in any of those channels, you'll, you'll connect with me. Yeah, uh, I'm a pretty easy guy to find. It's good. There's some good videos out there too. You should see arts acting. It's incredible. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, they were good. They were really well done. Uh, okay. So the last question I always love to ask my guests, right? If, uh, it's, if you could go back in time, uh, and give yourself one piece of advice and I, I'm actually going to, um, I'm going to take you back to a very specific point that we, we all heard today when you're uh, leaving commercial banking to go work for a church and you're, you're going to step out in this huge journey of faith. Uh, what's the one piece of advice that you would give yourself now in hindsight? Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good, good question. Thank you. Um, patience. Mm. Um, be, be more patient. Um, not necessarily with people, but with God. Uh, I wanted to. Uh, I wanted things to move more quickly than than they than they did. Um, but looking back on it, um, God's plan was 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 evident. Evident. Of course, that's all in all in hindsight now. But 
it was evident that he was, he was in control and that ultimately he didn't even really need me to do what I, what I was doing. Um, so mm-hmm. be patient. Don't stress out as, as much. Um, admittedly, the first three years of my, me serving there were very restless um, nights. I experienced very restless nights, um, just worrying and stressing out about what the next week would, would bring and what the offering would be and whether we could pay the bills. And, and so be patient, trust in him, cast your cares on, on him. There's a Bible verse about that, I believe. I believe so. And, and yeah, that would be my advice to my, um, here's the thing. I was 26 when I, when I took on that role. Wow. Um, and so that would be my advice to my, my 26 year old self. I appreciate your generosity today with your time and your willingness to speak and share. And it was just, uh, it was beautiful. Thank you. Well, it's, it's a lot of fun. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your, your ministry. Hey everybody. Thank you so much for taking the time today to listen to my conversation with art. I hope you loved it as much as I did. What I particularly found useful in this conversation is about dialing in on your why why you're doing something is so important and will give you the motivation for the what and the how and the when and all of the things it all begins with the why so if you love this conversation the best compliment you can give subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts take some time to rate share the podcast maybe tell a friend about it we're trying to get the word out about what god is doing we have some exciting episodes coming up this summer. Andrew East, Daniel M, a couple of moms for Mother's Day from a new podcast that's coming out. So many good things. It's going to be fire. Anyway, uh, yeah, you know, we hope today helped you manage that balance between faith and life.